Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of San Francisco State's alumni podcast, GatorCast. I'm here today with Andrew Shamia. He is a senior product marketing manager with Twitch, and he was previously a product marketing manager at Facebook. Prior to that, he was a management consultant with Gartner. And before that, he was a student at San Francisco State University and at USF. Welcome, Andrew, and thanks for joining us. And one last thing is we're both employed at companies at the moment, and our point of views that are we sharing today are those of ourselves and not for the companies that we work for. Hi, thanks for having me. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You were born and raised in the Bay Area. I was, yeah. I was born in Redwood City, and I grew up in South San Francisco, Daly City area, and I was always local, elementary school, middle school, high school, always been in the peninsula. That's awesome. And then from the peninsula, so you went to Terranova High School because it was the closest high school to you and everything. And so how was the experience just growing up in the Bay Area? What was going on around you at the time? And what did you see in the environment that you were in? And how did you go from Redwood City to Pacifica? It's interesting. The Bay Area changed a lot from when I was a kid, which wasn't like an incredibly long time ago, but it was a, a reasonable amount of time ago to where it was sort of in like mid 2000s to what happened in 2008, 2009, and then everything that's changed since then. Places like Daly City and South San Francisco, I swear, have been exactly the same since the beginning of time. Places like Redwood City have changed immensely. You wouldn't recognize Redwood City from the way that it was 20 years ago to the way that it is now. And a lot of that is tech money. A lot of that's Facebook. A lot of that's Google. A lot of that's big tech moving in and making these places really valuable. What's changed? I mean, the only thing that's really changed is the pricing of houses. It has gone from sort of reasonable to astronomical. And outside of that, a lot has stayed the same. Towns like Pacifica don't really change. Small coastal town, beach town. I think that one will be will be the same for a very long time, but fortunate to go to a good public school system in the area. And I, I've enjoyed my time here. That's awesome. And so just thinking about your upbringing and everything, what were some of the hobbies and activities that you were doing growing up before you ended up graduating from high school? I played a whole lot of Halo. I was kind of a gamer, which is funny because I'm at Twitch now. There was like this gap where I didn't care about video games for a very long time. And it kind of came full circle for me. I was really into video games as a kid and I was a really like outdoorsy kid. Like I liked running around outside and like going hiking and like being on the mountain bike up and down the street. I was an outdoorsy kid and that never really left. And I think that's kind of part of living in the Bay Area. You have so much opportunity. I was lucky to have parents that would take me out and about and it was a nice setup. Awesome. Yeah. And I, as I've grown up, I've, I've also happened to enjoy the Bay Area more and more with just the nature that it has. And when I was really young, I didn't really appreciate it until I got older and then the hikes and the views, everything became so much more beautiful over time. So it's good that you're able to do a lot of the outdoorsy stuff as well. On the Halo front, a really interesting point here, because as you mentioned, you work at Twitch. So hopefully we'll be able to get into that a little bit. Was there any other games or anything else that excited you in like the video game front growing up outside of Halo, anything that you're playing nowadays too? I was a big Call of Duty kid and totally opposite genre wise. I was a really big Diablo 2 player old PC game. Actually, it was just resurrected just a couple of months ago, and I'm playing that now. And it's the same game, but it never lost any of its luster. It's still so great. Gaming is not as big a, a part of my life as it once was, but that type of stuff, I think, stays constant for a long time. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember some of the late nights and summers I used to have on Diablo 2 growing up and being on, I think it was called Battle.net or something, where you yeah, play yeah. on the internet and you're out there trading different unique items and trying to have the best character and a lot of fun times. It brings back some good memories for me. 
So, okay, you're playing video games, you're spending a lot of time outdoors and everything, and now you're moving towards the end of your high school career and just starting to think about college or what were your thoughts when you're at Terra Nova towards what would be next in your life? Did you know that you'd go to San Francisco State, what you're going to do, or how did you think about college and what was next after high school? I feel like I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts in high school. I was kind of just there. I was a completely average student. I was not a 4.0 kid by any stretch of the imagination. And I was sort of just gliding through it. I wasn't really thinking big picture. I wasn't really thinking future, 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 future. I was wired a bit differently when I was younger. Everything is totally flipped on its head now. But I, I didn't think about that kind of stuff. So I graduated from Terra Nova and it was like, I remember having the conversation with my admissions counselor and I was totally green and I had no clue what was going on. And I was like, hey, where can I go to school <laughs> for college? I'd like to go to college. What do you think is going to work? And she said, you can either go to San Jose State University or you can go to San Francisco State. Those are the CSUs that you can get into. Or if you want, you can go to City or you can go to Skyline or you can go to CSM, San Mateo City College. So I said, okay, I think I'll go to San Francisco State. So I applied to all these places. I got into San Jose State and I ended up choosing San Francisco State, I think because tuition was a little bit cheaper at that time. Semesterly tuition was like four or five, six hundred dollars cheaper. It was nothing back then. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll go into San Francisco State. I didn't have a good sense for what I wanted to do. Like I said, I didn't have a big picture plan. It makes me think back about when we first met or something. I think we met in, in Daly City, maybe around the time that we were first getting into college and everything too. So it's just taking me back to that time and everything. And so you went to San Francisco State. We met somewhere in those early years and everything in college. I know you started off as a journalism major. How did you decide to go into journalism? And was that just the first thought that was in your mind? Or how did you determine what you wanted to do once you got to San Francisco State? As was the case in high school, when I got to San Francisco State, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I, I was like, okay, I have this opportunity to take general ed classes for a couple of years. That's interesting. I guess that's how college works. And journalism felt safe to me. It felt comfortable to me. I'd always been better with reading and writing than with math, at least at that point in my life. Again, that kind of changed a little bit later on. But that's what felt more safe to me. That's what felt more comfortable. And so I said, okay, let's give journalism a shot. Knowing full well that that's the type of thing that could change, right? It's like, okay, I'm opting to major in journalism, but I can see what my semester is going to look like and it has nothing to do with journalism. So I didn't feel like I was locking myself into anything. I remember like distinctly having that thought at that time. So that was the first thing. And it didn't take long until I decided to shift toward business administration or just business. Within that, I was interested in particularly in the field of finance. And that was like entirely because I have a brother who went to Berkeley who went that path. He went the, the finance path and he went that route with his career. And I've always sort of looked up to him and thought he'd done such a wonderful job and I want to be like that. And so that's where I ended up going. I think that's what happens to a lot of people. You see someone else do something well and you want to follow him, family member, friend, whatever it may be. Once I actually started taking classes in business, taking classes in finance, I was like, oh, I actually quite like this. The numbers are not as bad as I thought they would be. Math is not as bad as I thought it would be. Even though like, I struggled with it quite a bit in high school, I liked it. I had an affinity for it. I met a bunch of really interesting people in that program, you being one of them. A lot of the friends that I have kept for a long period of time are folks that I met in the finance program at San Francisco State. So it all kind of clicked, right? I said, here's a thing that I've seen someone that I, that I look up to be successful in. Here are some people that I can identify with that I think are interesting and I'd like to be friends with them. And here is some subject matter that I have some affinity or some liking for. And all three of those things clicked. You know, I wasn't planning that from age 15 to age 18 or from 15 to 20. I just fell into it, I think, as a lot of people do. It sounds like the real inflection point is when your brother 
went to Berkeley and then he really found an area that he liked. And then he thought, maybe I'll try this too, because he was finding some success there and he liked it too. Then he joined finance, really liked the classes and went from there. And so, and I know your next step was getting this master's in finance at USF. What kind of drove that decision after getting close to finishing up at San Francisco State? Yeah. So I worked all through college. I had various jobs, fascinating things. I was a parking lot attendant at Candlestick Park. It's where the 49ers used to play a long time ago. I was a, a cashier at Kohl's. And then ultimately I became a teller at a bank at Wells Fargo. And I did that for my last couple of years in school. And so I was coming up on graduation and I thought, well, let's see, I can continue to be a teller at Wells Fargo with my degree or move into like a personal banker role, which was actually pretty high level slash interesting to me back then. Or I can take this degree and I can try and move into something that's a little bit more in line with my interests, in line with my desires, and quite frankly, higher paying, right? Like what's going to give me a salary that's going to be commensurate with this attempt at living in, in an expensive area? And so I thought, okay, what can I do? So I started looking around a little bit as I was coming up on graduation, and I was looking at roles like equity analyst at hedge funds. I was looking at roles like private equity analyst at various big banks. And to be totally honest, I couldn't compete at the level that I wanted to. Like there were certain institutions that I was really interested in. I thought very highly of, and I couldn't tell you why at that point. I was just like, oh, UBS, that sounds great. I'd like, I think of UBS as the Disney's banks. I don't know why, but I couldn't get an entry-level role at UBS because I didn't have experience. And I couldn't compete with the folks that had gone to UC Berkeley or Stanford or other organizations because unfortunately you're categorically dismissed unless you go to certain schools for certain roles. And that's just the reality of how some of these entry-level programs work. So I thought, what are my options here? I can stay at Wells Fargo. I can keep swinging and missing on the roles that I'm really interested in, or I can stay in school because it was 2011, 2012. It was hard to get jobs. And everybody, my entire time at San Francisco State kept telling us, they kept telling you and me, you're so lucky to be in school right now because it's really hard to get jobs in business, really hard to get jobs in finance with everything that happened in 08, 09, 10 onward. Let me try and figure out how I can stay in school for another year or two. I'm enjoying it. I don't feel like I need to make a really strong decision one way or another right now. So I started looking around for MBAs, actually. I was looking all over the place. And then I found a program at University of San Francisco that's not necessarily an MBA. It's called MSFA, Masters of Science and Financial Analysis. I hadn't said that in a long time. It's just a, a master's degree in finance. That's all it is. Kind of like finance and economics, now that I think back on it. I was like, this looks great. It's a year. I think I can get in. It's a school that I hold in high regard, University of San Francisco. Always really liked that school. And so I think I'm going to just try. So I applied and I got in like really fast. I can't remember the exact details around it, but I think I'd applied right at the end of the application period. And within a week or something, they'd gotten back to me and they were like, yeah, you're in. There's like 30 of you in this class for the year. And it, it felt perfect. It felt super right to me. It felt like the, the right next step. And so again, like San Francisco State, I didn't plan it. I kind of just fell into it. Looking back at it, it's like, oh, that worked out very, very nicely. Would it have been better if I planned it? Yeah, probably. It probably would have been less stressful, but it worked out. Sounds like a great program and everything with just being able to land it. You applied at the end of the cycle. And then just thinking back about what was going on at that time, 2011 and 2012, we're still on the bottom, near the bottom, and um, not really in recovery mode after the recession. And some of the things that we're seeing you know, from such a strong economy in the Bay Area was a big challenge. And so you're right. I mean, being able to go into the workforce or compete for entry-level positions was incredibly tough. There was a really tight market that we were trying to compete in against people who had a lot of experience who might have been laid off. And so 
like you said, it happened to work out. Can't really plan against some of these things like recessions, but it happened to work out once you got into this program. And so you went to the program, you learned a lot. How did you go from this program towards your, your next position, which was a consultant at Gartner? Yeah, I got so lucky Gartner recruited. There are partnerships between large organizations and schools. In a lot of cases, people go from school straight into organization because of those partnerships. And in this case, Gartner and University of San Francisco had a partnership. In particular, it was University of San Francisco's MBA program and Gartner's consulting group. So two sort of like more niche things. I think they were considering MSFAs at that time. I might have like gotten lucky and somebody misplaced my resume. But either way, I got an interview with Gartner at the end of it. And I was basically recruited into Gartner. I think I was the only person from my class that decided to go that route. Now, there were like a lot of factors that went into this. I had no idea what Gartner was. I had no idea what management consulting was. But I met people at Gartner who were ex-University of San Francisco MBA students or MSFA candidates, MSFA graduates. And they had really long, really candid conversations with me about what Gartner was and what Gartner Consulting was and why that type of step was a very good step for a young MBA graduate, a young MSFA graduate, or even like a young college undergraduate just generally. And the more I learned about it, the more people I spoke to, and I spoke to people that I trusted. I spoke to my my brother who I talked about, and I spoke to other people in the industry that I knew. And everybody said, listen, like going into a consulting role right out of college is A, super common, and B, a super good way to like step stone your way into something else later on. A good way to parlay whatever it is that you have into something that you find more interesting or something that you will find more interesting after you get into your career. So it's a good starting point, a good stepping stone. And so I went into it and I got hired. I got hired in January and I like didn't hear anything from them until like April. It was the strangest thing ever. They had like a recruiting breakdown. And so I was uh, very nervous that I didn't actually have a job for, for a couple months there. And I started and I met all of these just wonderful people. And I ended up spending four and a half years at Gartner as a person who wasn't doing anything finance related. It was high tech and telecom traditional management consulting, go-to-market strategy, market sizing, competitive analysis, feature functionality analysis. What does it look like if we're going to go into a new market with a new product as a tech organization, as Google, as Facebook, as Microsoft, whatever it may be. So I met all these people at Google, at Facebook, at Microsoft, and all these wonderful people at Gartner who were industry vets, incredibly smart. And we were competing with McKinsey all the time. And we were competing with Bain all the time, competing with EY, because Gartner's high-tech and telecom practice was really, really highly regarded, really well-regarded, just like Gartner generally was as a, as a research house. So I started doing this thing that had nothing to do with finance. And I'm not sure I knew that's what was going to happen. I think I thought I was going to be like some financial modeler for some consulting firm. I'm not sure. But either way, I learned a whole lot. I met a bunch of interesting people, and it was like the perfect starting point for me. And I would guess that it would be the perfect starting point for a lot of folks in that point in their lives. On that point around learning the skills that you needed since you didn't really have the background for it and everything, and how did you develop those skills to be successful in consulting? I actually had a really hard time at first, to be totally honest with you. I was really unsure of myself. I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I still have imposter syndrome, to be honest, from time to time, depending on what I'm doing, who I'm talking to. And so a lot of it just came down to like being stressed out for a period of time trying to learn something over and over and over and over, getting on calls just like I'm doing with you now and going through market models or going through slides 
And listening to somebody who'd done this for a long time tell me that that's not the thing on the slide that anyone's going to care about. They're going to care about this. This is what this slide needs to convey. Don't put anything on slides that you can't speak to or you can't answer questions about. Don't put anything in the model that you can't explain. Make sure you can back up everything that you're, you're sort of putting down. And learning that and going through that, I would tell you for the first year, I was actually working, people talk about this all the time, but I was actually working 70 hours a week for the first year because I was terrified all the time that I had done something wrong and I was always looking and I was always going back and I was doing my absolute best for everything. That's how I learned. It was like trial by fire kind of thing, getting put in front of clients, having to speak on your feet, having to think on your feet. It's really hard, but it gets easier because you start to see the same things over and over. You start to see patterns and things start to make a lot more sense. Like everything comes into focus. It just takes time. I think everybody has to suffer a little bit at the beginning for what it's worth. To your point around not having the background, but you fell into the role after having multiple conversations and then you really dug in and took the time you needed to, to incorporate the feedback that you heard from others and learn how to be a better consultant and everything. And then the other thing that stood out was just this point around imposter syndrome and everything. And so I know that's kind of a buzz term that a lot of people use nowadays as a, just a term to talk about not feeling like they're qualified or that they're really ready for a certain room that they're in or a role that they're in. And so maybe just around the imposter syndrome and everything, how did you overcome it or how did you kind of mitigate or manage it in the early years of your career? And what have you learned that worked for you to combat it over time? There are a couple of like on the surface tricks you can use. Like for example, nobody's probably listening to you while you're talking is something that I tell myself quite a lot when I'm talking. And I know it's true because sometimes I'm not listening when people are talking. I mean, it's just how it goes. Like you can tell yourself that the thing you're saying is the most important thing in the world. And if you get one small bit of it wrong, somebody's going to come and find you. But the reality is that's probably not going to happen. So I, I use that to like help myself calm down every once in a while. Honestly, as you go through it and as you start to like level up your career and start to have conversations and you're more often in rooms with more senior executives, you start to see that everybody is the same. Even though this person is the head of everything at whatever it is that you're doing, sometimes they're looking at their phone. It just happens. So you don't have to feel like anyone's going to come after you. And so I use that to help me feel better from time to time. Hopefully that helps somebody. And then the other thing is it all just comes down to experience. It just gets easier. It really does. And I didn't think it would ever get easier. I was like losing my mind the first year. You start to see the same thing over and over, particularly when you have bad experiences with people or with projects, with anything, with subject matter material. Like you have a bad experience and it's like really painful and it sucks and you think about it for a long time. But then like the same thing happens eventually again, and you kind of know how to react to it. You kind of know how to deal with it. Then you've got somebody asking you how they can deal with it because they're going through what you went through last time. And I think the longer you stay in industry, the longer you do the same thing, or just generally, the longer you do anything, it all becomes pattern recognition and it all becomes easier. And I found that a lot in my last couple of years. Like maybe you hit a tipping point at some point in your career and things just become easier everything slows down is like the sports analogy for like cornerbacks who can't cover receivers but I, I really think that that's true and i really think that that happens at a certain point so if it sucks early on like just stick through it it definitely will will get better that's helpfully here and thanks for the perspective and then before we go into the next phase of your career and everything you mentioned that in your role you were working with a lot of tech companies like microsoft and others are those conversations the ones that drove you towards your current roles and in, in going into product marketing? How did you go about deciding that this is the area that you wanted to go into? So when I was at Gartner, I worked with a lot of 
PMMs, product marketers at big tech organizations. They would commission us for certain studies or certain projects or whatever, different type of work that they're interested in. And so I met a bunch of them and I had conversations with a bunch of them and I learned about what they did. And I started to think to myself, honestly, it's the same thing. Like product marketing and management consulting are really, really, really similar. You need a lot of the same skills and you need to be able to get from point A to point B in an effective way. And it's the same thing. And I think it's probably the most like analogous profession to management, to being a traditional management consultant outside of like program management, which I think is the same, largely the same as product marketing outside of the marketing aspect. I had no background in marketing, but I met a lot of these people and I was like, okay, this seems kind of obvious. Like, I feel like I can do this. And so at some point in consulting, everybody starts to think about the transition into industry, quote unquote, and folks can go different directions. Like I thought about like financial analyst. I was like, can I be a financial analyst at Google? And the answer was no, because I had never been a financial analyst anywhere else, even though I had a degree in finance. And so I thought, okay, product marketing, can I be a product marketing manager at Google, for example? And the answer was yes, I could, because I had experience doing the same things. I did not have experience doing financial analysis at a professional level. And so management consulting, PMM, I think they're largely the same thing. And that just became really clear to me having conversations with PMMs as a management consultant. I also saw people make the transition. And I was like, okay, if you all can do it, I think this is a reasonable opportunity. And at that point, is that when you started looking for more positions or how did you end up at Facebook in the PMM role? Did you know some people who were already there? Did you network your way in? How did you plan and, and go about your transition to this first role? So once I made the decision, once I said, I'm going to try for product marketing, I applied at a bunch of big tech companies. I applied at Google, I applied at Microsoft, I applied at Netflix, I applied at Apple, and I got a few interviews. All my thanks in the world to Gartner for being a very legitimate name on my resume. And I went through a few loops and Facebook, I liked the most, honestly, in my loop process. I met people at Facebook through the loop that I thought were most, I just liked them the most. I was like, I think you're the smartest. I think you're the most interesting. I think this is the place that I'd like to work. And so I went through the process. I got hired as a product marketing manager, as a very entry-level PMM. I had four and a half years of experience as a consultant. And as a consultant, I had become an associate director, which is like you go consultant, then you go senior consultant, then you go associate director. That's how Gartner was. Pretty similar model, I think, across the board. And I got hired as a totally entry-level product marketing manager at Facebook. Full-time role, not a contractor. It was like a dream come true. I just did the thing that everybody talks about. Everybody talks about transitioning into industry from consulting. Some people can do it, some people can. And I was like one of the first, I think, out of the consulting group that I was in with the people that I came up with that was able to do it. And I was able to do it at Facebook and it was just great. I felt so lucky. I felt totally blessed. So now you're at Facebook. How is it working over there? And, and how did you go about deciding to go into Twitch? So Facebook was like, it was a total juggernaut. I couldn't believe how fast everything was moving. I felt like I gotten into the middle of train tracks and there were just like trains going like this all the time. And I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. And I felt like that for a long time. I felt like that for months after I'd started. And it's because the way that Facebook operates is like fundamentally different than the way that any other organization operates. And they are small dispersed teams that are fully bottom up that have their own metrics and they have their own goals and they're going and they are focused 100% on impact for their particular thing, for their particular area. And so they're like 
electrons going really fast. And then they like run into other people who are doing the exact same thing with a totally opposite goal. And when they collide, it's like, now what the hell do we do? Now we have to talk about it. Now we have to escalate. Now we have to negotiate. Now we have to have all these difficult conversations. And then as soon as we're settled, we go. And everybody's like, back the trains are going again. And it took me a while to figure out like what to do. But once I figured out what to do, and once I like made a certain number of relationships, which I think is the key to all that stuff, it started to slow down. Just like Gartner, same thing. The learning curve was less steep because I had done it once before. And I understood what I was supposed to do. It was really hard. And I worked a lot when I was at Facebook because that's sort of how it is. It's just how the culture is. It's what everybody does, which is fine. But it's not a place that I could stay forever. I don't want to say it was like super up or out. It's not the McKinsey model. But it was a place where I was doing my absolute best and giving it my all. And I was like, people are still flying by me. Like, this is another level of commitment and difficulty. And I was like, I know where this is headed. This is headed toward burnout. You can see it really clearly. And I only lasted two, I mean, I lasted two years. That's the average tenor. I think of most folks that work in organizations like that. I can't imagine it being much longer. And so I thought, how can I keep the role? Because I like the role. I like product marketing. I like the work. But find an environment that's a little bit more suitable for a longer stay. So I started looking around and I, I found Twitch pretty fast. I met a guy at Twitch who ended up being my manager for the past couple of years. And I had a long conversation with him and it became really clear that like, if the word for Facebook is like impact or like juggernaut or like move fast, which it is, the word for Twitch is like balance. I don't want to say it's something that Twitch preaches, but in just the way that that organization operates and the way that it has operated in my time, it's much more balanced. And I think it's easier for somebody like me to spend a long time at a place like that. And I would imagine this is true for, for other folks. I mean, I don't know, but it's a little bit of a slower pace. It's a little bit of a focus on like, I don't want to use the word like, holistic, but it's like less about show me your impact at the end of the day, because I'm going to like stack rate you against everybody else and more like slow down, figure out what the best thing to do is understand that the goals are a little bit more top down because that's just fundamentally the way that that organization operates. It's Amazon. And understand how you can go from point A to point B over like a reasonable horizon, not like tomorrow, but over a reasonable time frame where you can work with your partners and you can make sure you have everything that you need and make sure you have everybody aligned because that's largely your job as a product marketing manager. And that's largely where I am with Switch right now. It's good to hear what it was like working at Facebook and then the decision to go to Twitch where it sounds like it's a pretty great transition for you. Balance was the word that you mentioned is what has been really great there. And it sounds like it's more team oriented rather than being a part of like a smaller team that's focused on their own impact and goals you're you're focusing on the, the larger goals of twitch as a whole so now that you're at twitch what area do you work in what type of uh product are you marketing if you can't say about what area you're supporting now and what goals you have in that group i work in ads at twitch advertising i'm responsible for all of our marketing our product marketing for our various ads products for creators so I try and help creators understand how they can run ads, understand if they'd like to run ads, why they should, why it's good for them, why it's good for Twitch. I help them understand the tools that they have at their disposal to do that effectively and to be successful on Twitch. That is largely my job there. We have a function that sits a little bit separately from me, and that is product marketing that is focused specifically on advertisers. And that is sort of a whole different ballgame and actually a little bit more in line with what I was doing at Facebook. But that's the extent of my responsibility at Twitch. I actually quite like ad tech. I like advertising tech. I like the advertising industry. And I like the idea of giving people the ability to monetize 
and make money and be successful and earn whatever they consider to be a living via streaming, because I think streaming is great. And I like Twitch since I was in my late days at Gartner. If only we had Twitch back in the Halo days and the Diablo 2 days, we, we have some good clips of you, I'm sure. It would have been you and I. Now you're in this role and everything. And so just looking back, if someone was trying to get into PMM, what would be the most important lesson or share you'd have for someone who'd want to go into this space? I would say just try and understand that product marketing is 50% product work and 50% marketing work. And I think if you over rotate on one of the two things, you find yourself in trouble. I think if you're like, I am a marketer through and through, I am all about whatever performance marketing or brand marketing or marketing tech or search engine optimization, whatever. I think you're kind of missing half of the boat. On the other side, if you are like, I'm a product manager and I'm all about the product itself and that's all I care about, then like you should be a product manager, not a product marketing manager. I think you need both pieces in order to be a successful PMN because you have to be able to stand up to product managers who are going to disagree with you about things. And you have to be able to set the marketing strategy for a product because that is your responsibility. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you understand the product, to make sure that you're a part of the process that helps create the product so that you're actually building toward a user need, not like a user want or something that is competitor focused, but you're actually solving a problem for your customer. And at the end of the day, if you're doing that, the product's going to do fine. The product is going to do fine. Marketing is, is certainly important and it'll help it, help it grow, help it land help adoption, help retention, help all that. But I think you need the product part and you need the marketing part. So if you're trying to sell yourself, talk about both. Talk about examples where you have the ability to say that I influenced a product roadmap or I influenced the way that we built a product because I, I had conversations with the customers. I learned that this was what they needed. And so I helped engineering and I helped design and I helped product and I helped TPM or whatever it may be build the right thing. Then I was able to take that thing as part creator and I was able to effectively land it with an audience and I was able to grow adoption and I was able to keep people using it over a period of time based on whatever channel plan or audience structure that I put forth. And so I think if you can talk effectively about those two things, you're like ahead of the game and you're going to do just fine. Okay, great. What's next for you after this role? What do you plan to do? Do you plan to stay in PMM or... Where do you see your career going next? I have no idea. I really like product marketing. I think I tend to be more of a product guy than a marketing guy. And that is just like a natural inclination toward building things. That said, I don't think I'm going to make a transition into product management anytime soon. I think I'm going to remain a product marketing manager because I still have a lot to learn. And I think I'm going to try and learn more about all of the different aspects of marketing because I don't have a marketing background. Like a lot of this is stuff that I'm learning as I'm doing it. Anyone can learn. You can learn anything, marketing in particular, you can absolutely learn on the fly, especially if you have people you can lean on from like an outbound perspective. So I'll probably stay at PMN. I hope to become a manager at some point, maybe not anytime soon. I, I like the work itself. Like my product is my work. I know when I become a manager, my product will become my team, which is different, also good but probably not where I am right now in my career. But at some point, you you like become a very expensive non-manager like, <laughs> in roles like this. And, and then after that, I mean, there are all the different functions in marketing that I still don't know a whole lot about. Brand marketing is something that sits separately. Comms and PR is something that generally sits under the marketing umbrella, but it's a very different thing. Teams that I work with, obviously, very commonly. 
as soon as I can like gather all the infinity stones and know enough about all those things, like I'll totally try and become a CMO, but that's just some period of time away. Going back to like some of the younger viewers and everything who are students, what do you have to say to them, advice for them if, that you want to share with San Francisco State students or recent alumni? So number one, I think it's really hard to know what you want to do while you're in school. I think you can have an idea and I think you can guess and get lucky. I don't think you can really know until you are doing that thing. And so my advice would be like, go for options that give you the most options. Because I think early on, you just have no clue. Like I was all about journalism for 30 seconds. And then I was all about finance for like four years. And now I'm a product marketing manager. And I think this is great. And if you were to tell me, Andrew, do you want to, you want to be like a senior financial analyst or a senior equity analyst at some really great hedge fund? I would say it's like, not really, because it's going to be so difficult to make that transition at this point because I'm 10 years removed from academia. And so I think you just go for things that give you options. Don't feel locked into stuff because you just don't know. You might try it and not like it. That is like so okay. The most okay thing ever. And I encourage people to, to not lock in and feel like they have options. The second thing is, I touched on this earlier, but if you do have imposter syndrome or I've had like anxiety for a very long time. And I still get nervous before a call. I got nervous before this. I don't know if that ever really goes away. I think you just learn how to manage it to a certain extent. And so that is okay. It shouldn't stop you from trying to do whatever it is that you want to do. You should totally still go for it. Because at a certain point, if you're not having a good day, you can cancel meetings. I cancel meetings sometimes if I'm not feeling well. It totally happens. You can have a bad day and you can ask somebody that you're working with to like talk a little bit more and help you out. That's fine. That happens at every level. At Amazon, I'm, I'm an L6. It's not the most senior thing, but it is like reasonably senior at an organization like Amazon. And I still rely on people. That happens. It's fine. No big deal. And then the last thing is, even when you have bad experiences, and I didn't understand this when I was younger, but you learn from them, even if they're awful and you don't think you learn from them and you see the same thing later and it's just pattern recognition. When you see it later, it's so much easier to deal with. And so at a certain point, it all slows down. It all gets easier. It's not going to feel awful forever. I realize now that going through this, it sounds like I had a very, very negative early experience in my career. It wasn't that bad, but I just didn't understand these things earlier. And so if I can help somebody else understand it and feel a little bit better about it, I feel good about it. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. And I think just the parting question is, if people would like to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? LinkedIn. Just send me a message on LinkedIn. My response rate is quite bad. But if you are not a recruiter, I will totally respond to you. Also, if you're not trying to like sell me something, I will 100% respond to you and I will talk to you. No problem. That'll be it. All right. Well, thanks again, Andrew. And all the viewers, thank you for joining in on another episode of uh, the SFSU GatorCast. And that's our episode. Thanks for tuning in and go Gators.